question is, why then does Judaism appear to be so intolerant of idol worship? Now, the first of the Ten Commandments we know is to believe in God. That's commandment number one. Believe in God. The second of the commandments, which we actually read last week, the Ten Commandments, is not to have any other gods, not to worship idols, not to make any molten images, not to make any figures that we will worship. In fact, not worshipping idols or avoiding idol worship at all costs is so crucial and so important that it's considered the most important prohibition in Judaism. In general, the Torah tells us, you must live with the commandments, which means that whenever a life is in danger, we must do anything to save a life. So if a life is threatened, someone says, Break this commandment or I will kill you. We will break the commandment. In most instances, there's some exceptions, rather than, um, rather than give up our lives. If a life is in danger, say someone needs to go to the hospital, but it is Shabbat, they need medical treatment. We will desecrate the Shabbat in order to give them the medical treatment that they need. Um, my daughter who's going to be about mitzvah next week. She was actually born on Yom Kippur. And uh, we took her to the hospital on Yom Kippur and gave her all the, my wife that is, and gave her all the medical treatment that she needed, um, despite the fact, and she ate of course and drank on Yom Kippur, despite the fact that she would have been violating the rules of Yom Kippur, because we do everything in Judaism to save a life. With three exceptions for three cardinal sin, for three cardinal transgressions, um, murder, we won't say, kill, we won't kill someone to save another life, um, we also, for, sex, for sexual crimes, if someone is threatened with rape um, uh, or, or their life, um, then um, they should give up their life. And then the third one is, um, and then the third one is idol worship. So idol worship is the one thing that we are supposed to, if you are told to um, worship this idol or I will kill you, by someone, by an idolater, you must rather give up your life rather than worship that idol. In fact, our grandparents, our ancestors, have given up their life not to worship or even recognize um, other religions throughout our history. Um, it has happened so many times and it is extensively recorded because our history is very, very well recorded, more than any other nation. Um, and Last week on Tisha B'Av, we read Kinot, which are the poems um, lamenting all the different tragedies that happened to our people over the years. And among the many tragedies that happened to our people was, the, uh, what, what, was many, many times we were threatened to convert um, to, uh, to Christianity um, or other religions prior to Christianity, Roman, uh, Ro- uh, Roman religions or, uh, or Greek religion, uh, Greek paganism, and again and again, we're told how Jews gave up their life time and again rather than, um, rather than submit to the idols, to, whether it's um, Greek paganism or whether later Christianity. In fact, I think it's safe to say, given our long history and given the large number of Jews that have given up their life in history, that every Jew alive today um, that has Jewish ancestry is a descendant of someone who gave up their life for Judaism. Um, Given that there are, without a doubt, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands that have done so over the years, um, 
it is almost certain, and since we have a lot of ancestors, once you start counting back, um, it is almost certain that each one of us have an ancestor that gave up their life for Judaism. Um, I, I'm kind of troubled if I heard this correctly. You said it's not okay to murder even to save a life? Did you say that? It is not okay to murder. If someone says, kill him life? or I will kill you, you cannot kill him. What if it's your child? If someone says, kill this person or I will kill your child, you cannot kill that person. I have a hard time with that. Okay, that's for a discussion for another time. Now, when someone, them, when someone themselves is threatening another life, then that is different. And that's another discussion, it's called a rodef. When the individual who is, you're allowed to kill the individual who is threatening another life. But if someone says, kill a third person, or I kill you, oh, okay. then you are not allowed to kill another person. Rabbi, is this sort of like uh, if, if a mother's life is at stake, you know, and the mother's life to save a baby, whereas some Christian religions will right. say you Right, right. Well, it's, again, it's more complex than that, but that, that's the basic idea. We cannot kill one person to save another person. My person. Yes. Unless that person is threatening a life, then it's a different story. It's a discussion. We could do a class on saving a life. That should be a class of itself. Okay, so are you going to talk about the conversos? Let, yeah. me, let me stay focused okay. on idol worship. Now, okay. That, that is idol worship. Yes. Well, we're going to get to Christianity. We're going to get to so, so throughout our history, we have given our, up our lives not to worship idols, given its importance in Judaism that while... Every other commandment just about, we are ready to transgress in order to save a life, not idol worship. For that matter, if someone's life is threatened and the only way to help them is by doing something that involves idol worship in some way or another, um, say there is a pagan or an idolater that will only save, the, who has the ability to save this individual, but will only do so if you worship the idol, um, then you cannot do so. You cannot worship an idol in order to save, um, or even in order to save a person's life. Furthermore, the Torah goes much further. Not only may we not worship idols, we can, we must keep far away from them. We're forbidden from learning about idols. We cannot learn about how idols are worshipped. We're not even allowed to mention idols by name. Don't even say their name. We're not allowed to support them in any way, give them any financial support, give them any help. We're not even allowed to sell someone something that will be used for idol worship. And we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to support their worship in any way. We're not allowed to use or benefit from anything that was used for idol worship. So if something was used in worship of idols, we're not allowed to benefit from that in any way. Jewish law forbids us from selling anything that will be used in idol worship. We're not allowed to be present at an idolatrous event, in other words, an idolatrous service, a service that involves some sort of foreign worship. Um, we're not even allowed to step foot in an idolatrous church or temple. So we're supposed to keep far away from idol worship. What exactly does I will get to it. Some Christian symbols, 
I will get to it. I hope to get to it all. In this week's Parsha, we are told that we should be disgusted by idols. Shaketz to shaktenu. You shall be disgusted by it and loathe it and keep as far away from it as possible. Exactly what that means today, I am going to get to. The Torah further tells us, as we mentioned, that when we enter the promised land inhabited by Canaanites or our idolaters, we must destroy all their idols, smash every idol, every altar, every temple, everything used in idol worship, every tree that used trees in idol worship should be cut down, leaving nothing behind. We are warned not to allow any idolaters or idols into the land of Israel. Now, the command to destroy idols is only within the land of Israel and when we have the power to do so. So we understand, of course, that pagan idol worship might be foolish or primitive, but our question then is, is it that bad? What if somebody is a good person but happens to hold pagan beliefs, happens to be an idolater? Is that such a terrible thing? Why is Judaism so intolerant of idolatry and idolatrous practice? Shouldn't we be accepting of any belief as long as the people who practice it are good people doing good things? So there are a number of approaches, the number of different ways we can respond or approach this question. On a very important, on a very basic level, it is important to see idol worship from God's perspective. Firstly, what do we mean by God? The Jewish belief in God, as we've had other classes, we've spoken about this in greater detail. The Jewish belief in God is a belief in an absolute infinite being that is all-encompassing, that has no form and no shape, no detail. The beginning of all that always was and always will be and just is. And this creator created all of creation and controls all of creation and is invested in creation and involved in every detail in creation and has expectations of creation and has expectations of us and sets standards of good and bad, of what is good and what is bad, what we should be doing and what we should not be doing. So we believe there is no power on earth or in this universe outside of God. God is in control of everything. And we humans are created by God as the crown of God's creation to um, build a relationship with God and live in the way that God instructs us. If someone does not believe in God, or if someone believes in other gods, they destroy that relationship with God. The prophets throughout our books of prophets, and we have a number of such books, the prophets often use the metaphor of our relationship with God, um, often use the metaphor of, two, um, uh, of a couple, a couple in love, a spouse. And a couple that is committed to their spouse, and then they go and live with someone else, forsaking their spouse. And so in the same way, the prophets throughout the books of prophecy, and this uh, metaphor is used in um, in great, uh, very elaborately by the prophet Hosea, but it's used by Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and essentially all of our prophets touch on this metaphor 
um, of somebody who goes and cheats on their spouse. They've committed to their spouse and they go with somebody else. We have a commitment to God. Our lives should be dedicated to God. We turn away to other beliefs. We're denying the source that created us, denying the force that sustains us. Um, Almost like a child who is fed and raised by their parents, provides for their every single need, and yet the child ignores their parents and pretends that they don't exist. So God takes care of every single thing we need, created us, gives us everything we need, has expectations of us. When we go and worship other idols, other gods, um, we are not recognizing God who created us, not recognizing God who sustains us. Um, These are the words of the prophets. And we are rather going to other things that have no power, that don't truly exist, that are not really there, and claiming their power in place of God's. And so therefore, God treats it as somebody who goes with another person, um, cheats on their spouse. And um, that is why not only should we not worship idols, we should be disgusted by them. And we should keep as far away from from them as possible. Idol worship then, or the concept of a power independent of God, is offensive to God. Since we are created to serve God. We have a relationship with God. By extension, if it's offensive to God, idol worship should then be offensive to us. We should find idol worship offensive and repulsive because it's something that's offensive to God. As God's creations, we should find something that is offensive to God, offensive to us. And for that reason, we shouldn't be interested out of curiosity in learning about idols. Because it's something offensive. Nor should we benefit from an idol. Nor should we even go into a place of idol worship. It it would be the equivalent, if we use the metaphor of our prophets, somebody who is in a committed relationship saying, let me just go check out that other person. Let me just go to that club over there um, just to watch, not going to do anything. So that would be the equivalent of somebody who goes to an idolatrous service offensive to God because it recognizes a power other than the true and only power, um, the true and only existence for whom, who created us and sustains us, offensive to God, and we're just going to check it out or just learning about it out of curiosity. It is still offensive. And for that reason, we are expected to be, um, God tells us it is the worst offense. In fact, we should be prepared to give our lives for it. And we should not even go close to it. Not study it, not learn about it, not um, go to anything that worships it, not help it in any way. Excuse me, does that include a a different event that's being held, for example, at an, uh, as you would say, an idolatrous place Good question. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Okay. So now there is a much deeper perspective, though, about how we look at idol worship. And this begins a little bit with our history. And how did pagan beliefs and idol worship begin? Where did it all come from? So historians tell us that different nations gave civilization different gifts. The Greeks gave us natural sciences, philosophy, art. The Romans gave us governmental structure, engineering, Persians gave us poetry, astronomy, the Chinese gave us paper, printing, gunpowder, acupuncture. Um, And the Jews gave the world a belief in God, monotheism, 
and values, what today is known as Judeo-Christian values. These are the original values that the Jewish, ga- Jewish people gave. We'll soon talk about some of them, um, what the Judeo-Christian values, at least what we believe they are, the values that Judaism gave the world, many of which today have now become universal. We believe, though, that it wasn't, the knowledge of God was not actually originally a gift of the Jews. In fact, humanity began with a belief in God and a belief in Jewish values. After all, we believe that humanity began with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve communicated with God. They were prophets. They were well aware of God. Um, They communicated with him and therefore would have been monotheists. They taught their children about the creator of the universe and about the values that he taught them. We believe that God taught Adam and Eve the important values of Judaism and the values of society. However, after Adam died, in the days of his grandson Enosh, the Torah tells us idol worship began. How did idol worship begin? So the Midrash tells us that it started when people realized that there is no way to relate to God. God is all-powerful. God is the creator, controls everything. God has expectations of us and how we live our lives, values he wants us to live by. But if we want to build a relationship with God, it is very hard because how do you relate to an infinite God? How do you honor him? So they came up with an idea that we cannot honor God, but we can honor God's creations and by extension honor God instead as well. So they built great temples and places to honor God's creations, God's powerful creations, the sun, the moon, the stars, the um, constellations of stars, the planets, and other great powerful things. With time, however, over generations, people forgot that these temples were made to worship God's creations, so that one appreciates God's greatness, and rather, that, sorry, they were made to with God's creations, in order to worship God and appreciate God's, crea- God's greatness, they forgot about God and they started worshiping these creations. Originally it was the sun, the moon, the stars. And later they developed an elaborate mythology and forms of idol worship that entirely ignored God. So God had no problem with the original concept of the idols? He did. He did, but they did it. They didn't know. Oh, he didn't. Or they didn't. Okay. They did it anyway. Even though, he, even though they were not worshiping them, but using them as a representation of God. Yes, yes, we have a problem. God has a problem with that. Okay. But they did. So they then developed mythology and um, elaborate forms of idol worship. But with, with idol worship also became forms of depravity and corruption. Leaders realized that they could use this mythology in order to cement their own power. Uh, priests in temples realized that they could use this to further cement their power and um, to give themselves um, all of their um, pleasures that they want and require other people to serve them, um, creating um, sexual depravity, creating um, corruption, um, leading to murder, and leading to all sorts of other horrible things that came along with paganism. The world became so bad and so corrupt that God decided to destroy humanity, bringing a great flood, saving only Noah and his family. Noah himself and his children, of course, were monotheists, believing in God. God reinforced the what we call today the Noahide laws, um, the seven laws of Noah, or the basic rules for humanity, the basic values of humanity. 
However, within a few generations, people went back to the idol worship of their ancestors. It was only hundreds of years later that a young man called Abraham, on his own, rejected paganism and discovered monotheism, discovered the belief of the great infinite power, the great infinite creator with no form and no description that created and controls our world. And he made it his mission to teach those around him about God. God later made a covenant with Abraham and then later eventually made a covenant with his descendants who became the Jewish people, giving them the Torah and giving them special commandments. But why indeed were people who knew about God or were told about God, why were they drawn to idols? When people had the choice to choose monotheism, the belief in God, or the belief in idols, why did they choose idols? Isn't idol worship foolish? Um, As foolish as it may sound, why has it always been a challenge to people? God had to warn us, do not follow idol worship. Why has it always been such a challenge? The people are drawn to idols because they have trouble believing and relating to God, but it's more than that. It's not so much a theological problem, it is an ethical one. Believing in one God who created the world with purpose and meaning right, means believing in a purpose and role for everything. Believing in one God means believing in an absolute truth, that there is a single absolute truth and values dictated by that God that stands above ourselves that we don't get to choose, values above everything else. In fact, Hitler in Mein Kampf, which I've never read, but I've seen it quoted, writes that the worst thing that Jews brought to the world was their belief in God, which came along with values that he believed were corrosive and destructive and destroying our world. Um, those were the values that Nazism obviously didn't like. Um, so we believe, in a, we believe in a God with a single absolute truth and value that stands above ourselves, something dictated by the infinite God. In a pagan world where there are many gods, there are gods of your choosing. There are many powers, there are many rights and wrongs. There are no absolute rights and wrongs. It gives us the ability to choose what we like, to choose what we feel is best, to choose what we enjoy. That is why pagan religion was built by the powerful and the strong as a way to protect themselves, as a way to keep their power, as a way to help themselves. They dictated how their gods should want to do things. What their gods should say is right and wrong. They essentially had the ability to create their own sense of right and wrong. When someone lost power, it meant that another god was more powerful. The person who won, suddenly their god is more powerful. They now get to dictate right and wrong. In monotheism, there is only a single god. There is only a single goodness. There is only a single sense of right and wrong, an absolute sense of right and wrong, that is not dictated by any individual, that is not dictated by any group, that is not dictated by the winners, but is beyond us, in which everybody stands equal before this single one value, or the single one sense of morality. Everybody stands equal before it. Nothing exists outside of this true creator who controls everything. And therefore everyone, no matter the powerful, the strong, and the weak, all need to follow these values, whether we like it 
or whether we don't. It is something that stands beyond us. The previous Rebbe, when he was in the Soviet Union, was once confronted by, um, once he was brought into an interrogation, he was running a large Jewish underground network to keep Judaism alive within the Soviet Union. And um, they interrogated him many times and eventually arrested him. Uh, we spoke about it a couple weeks ago. But when he, one time when he was interrogated, he was not cooperating with their interrogation. So the um, interrogators pulled out a pistol. They pointed it at him, which is the way they would scare him. And they said playfully, you see this little toy. This toy makes people that makes even the silent talk. And so the Rebbe responded, this toy only makes people talk if they have one world and many gods. But I have one God and many worlds and two worlds. It will not make me talk. What he meant is people that only believe in this world and don't believe in an afterlife are afraid to die because once they die, they're gone. But we who believe in an afterlife are not afraid of death. But also, people who believe in many gods, they're gods that revolve around themselves. And so therefore, their own life is going to be more important than their other values. I believe in a one absolute value, a one God that stands above everything else. My values are more important than my life. I will give up my life for my values. So, belief in one God means a, a belief in values that stand above and beyond everything else. So this led nations of the world, and particularly their leaders, the strong and powerful, to adopt paganism, gods that defend them, gods that declare their specialness, gods that allow for the leadership, the priestly and um, aristocratic classes to control other people, gods that allow them to decide what's right and wrong based on their whims and their feelings. Abraham, and then eventually our people, made a covenant with the one single God, with a one single truth, with these universal values. In fact, as part of our covenant with God, we were instructed to share this message of the single God and a single truth and absolute values with the entire world. We do not try to convert people to Judaism. In that sense, we are not evangelists in any way. We do not try to make people Jewish. We have a unique and exclusive covenant to God. People are welcome to join us. It is a process. Um, but we do not encourage others to join Judaism. We don't need others to believe in the specific details of our covenant. We don't need others to believe in the Torah and to believe in its commandments. But we are expected to teach the rest of the world about God and about the seven universal values that he gave us, which are, firstly, believing in one single God that is all-powerful, aware of humanity, has expectations of humanity, sees what you do, and you are responsible to him for everything that you do. You are responsible to this absolute creator and he, you are answerable to him for everything that, everything that you do, right and wrong. And then there are further rights and wrongs. Firstly, we are, well, this is our second, the first is believing God. The second is to value human life, place it above all else, human life, more valuable than anything else, um, giving it absolute value. Um, then the thirdly, the sanctity of marriage 
and family life, forbidding promiscuity and um, and uh, uh, forbidding promiscuity and other forms of um, uh, and other things that will destroy um, marriage and family life. Next, number four, the sanctity of the value of property, um, personal property, um, and respecting other people's property. Um, the next one, um, not to um, be cruel to animals, and uh, not, uh, not to be cruel to God's creations. And then finally, um, and finally, the value of creating and living by a civil moral code in each place that will keep society functioning. So these are our basic Jewish universal values in addition to the belief in God, um, having that respect for God, so the belief in God, respecting God, um, valuing human life, valuing marriage and family life, valuing property, not being cruel to animals, and living by a civil code. So while other pagans can share some of these values, if they have many gods or don't believe in a single truth, these values are fungible. They could be changed. They can change from one value to another value. One day they respect life, but then other lives they don't respect. They only respect lives that are maybe enjoyable lives, but don't respect lives that they think are depraved lives, or don't respect lives of certain races, or don't respect li- other kinds of lives. They only respect property of certain people, of certain types of property, but not others. If they become fungible. They can change at will if they don't believe in these single absolute values. So we abhor idol worship not only because it's disloyal to God, but it's the ultimate source of evil. Now, that doesn't mean that all monotheists do good, do only good. You could be monotheistic and still not accept the other values. You can be monotheistic and believe in God's values and not practice them because everybody has an evil inclination. But without believing in monotheism, you have no moral compass, no ultimate moral compass. So this leads us to our question, what about religions today? What does that mean for religions today? What does that mean for our world today? So the good news is that over the years, Judaism has been, um, and the Jewish people have been extremely successful in spreading our covenant, sorry, spreading our belief in monotheism and our values. Most people on earth believe in God today. Most people on earth believe more or less in our basic value system that we brought to the world. So we have been pretty successful. Almost all people on earth pay lip service to our basic value system. Most people um, believe in it and live by it as well. Most people, however, don't believe in Judaism. Um, There are today some 2 billion Christians in the world. Christians believe in God, believe in the absolute infinite God that we believe in, the God that we have given them. Um, they believe in the Torah, and they also believe in all of the basic values included in the Noahide laws. Unfortunately, though, for much of their history, Christianity, while they in theory believed in our values, it didn't translate into practice. For much of Christian history, those in power used it as a way to keep themselves in power. Um, and to harm others, including our people, and our people suffered greatly at their hands. Thankfully, once Christianity became open to the masses after Reformation, 
And um, once people were able to see directly the values of Christianity, gradually everyday Christians were developed um, the basic values that Judaism has given to Christianity. And um, today, most Christians, by and large, almost or all, share our basic values. Islam, another major religion that has over a billion adherents today, uh, also shares our basic beliefs and our values. Islam, for much of its history, um, especially during its golden period, for its first 500 years or so, um, had a... Um, uh, had a period when Muslims believed by those, in those values, lived in those values. Unfortunately, today, for whatever reason, many Muslims have lost some of those values. And I'm not, I'm not referring only to um, violence done by some Muslims in the name of Islam today, but also by a general illiberalism that exists in much of the Islamic world today, um, when they were once highly cultured and Ethical people, unfortunately, in many um, Islamic countries today are somewhat backwards in their values. They're places where you would not want to be alone at night um, because they're not safe. People don't believe in basic values of um, family values, um, respect for life, respect for property. Now, while Christianity today is monotheistic, it is definitely not pagan. Most Christians today do believe in other gods, what we would call idols. So they do believe because they believe in what they call the Trinity, which means they do believe in other gods. So Christianity, and I did some time ago a class focused just on Christianity, but I'm going to touch on it briefly. Christianity is not pagan. They believe in monotheism. They believe in God. They believe in the absolute truth and, the, um, and absolute ethics. Um, they believe in our moral, basic moral code. And so they're not pagans, but they are, as were, for example, Romans, Greeks who were pagan. They're not, or um, other peoples um, that lived in other places, pagans that lived in other places. Um, Christians are not pagan today. Um, they do believe in God and in monotheism and in our basic beliefs. However, they also believe in idols as well. In Judaism, we have a special term for that. Um, in Jewish law, we call that shituf. Shituf means partnership. They believe in God, but believe in other powers as well. We have a unique um, response to that. We as Jews are not required to stop them from their worship or educate them. Our role to the world to be a light to the nations is to give the nations the basic belief in the seven Noahide laws, the basic belief in God and in monotheism and in the ba our basic values. Christians, by and large, share those basic values. We have to encourage them to live by it. Not everybody always lives up to their values. But um, they, by and large, share those values. We are not required to take the step further to educate them about their additional, what we believe is our mistaken beliefs in other additional gods outside of the true and only God. Um, so we are not required to educate Christians in any way. We are not required to try to convince them outside of their beliefs since they are monotheistic. Um, to the contrary, we should encourage them, um, we should encourage Christians to observe their monotheistic beliefs um, and embrace their <coughs> values within Christianity. 
However, we as Jews who do recognize the one and ultimate God also recognize that since they do believe in other gods, we should be disgusted by that belief in another <coughs> God. While we're not going to try to change them, we ourselves should try to keep far away from it. We do consider Christian beliefs in the Trinity and in other gods to be offensive to God. And therefore, for us, while we won't try to we don't see any value in trying to influence them to change their beliefs. For us, we should and have historically tried to keep away from it. We have, as we mentioned, throughout our history, given up our lives not to embrace Christianity since we find it offensive to God. As I mentioned earlier, every Jew has ancestors who were... Um, every Jew has ancestors who almost certainly gave up their lives not to embrace Christianity and um, Christian idolatrous beliefs. Um, for that reason, since we find Christianity offensive, we should not partake in Christian worship in any way that would be offensive to God or Christian celebration. Nor should we study Christianity. Even studying Christianity it should be, is offensive to God. Um, we also generally should not go into Christian worship. Now, if Christians are doing things that do not involve Christian worship, say they are have charities that are helping the poor, helping people in need, that does not involve Christian worship. And there's an important difference over here. Sometimes they're helping the poor may also involve worship as well. We should not support that because we're supporting their worship. But when they're helping the poor in a way that does not support Christian worship, which we find offensive in any way, we definitely should help them with it. When they are sharing our values, when they are promoting our values, sanctity of life, sanctity of marriage, sanctity of property, when they are sharing our values, belief in God, belief in monotheism, we should um, share, work with them to promote our values that we have in common. And so for that matter, we are able to work with Christians, and we should um, and as, as much as we can, so long as we are very careful not to do anything that we, would that we, God, would find offensive, anything that involves Christian worship or anything that involves um, uh, Christian worship or Christian belief uh, in idol in any way. Yes? That's a very good question. We should not go if it's going to be in the chapel or it's in their place of worship. If it's going to be in a, um, if it's going to be in a hall, that's okay. Um, the wedding itself, I don't know what Christian weddings involve. If it doesn't actually involve any worship within the wedding, then it wouldn't be a problem. Um, if it involves worship, then we should not. The same thing for a funeral in a chapel that is not a house of worship um, is fine. Otherwise, it's offensive to God to go into a place of worship, even if it's something that is important to us. Now, now there, are, there are exceptions to these rules. In other words, there are times historically, um, in times of need, in times to help the Jewish community, when Jews have gone into churches, um, have... Um, been involved in Christian worship for specific major, you know, in, in different situations, and it can get very complicated. We have, very, we have actually very specific laws over what is permitted and what is not. And I would say, generally, if you have a specific question, it's really a case-by-case, case, depends on the details. Yes, Don? If I understand what you're saying, the fact that 
there are what I would term idols that are used in their decoration, in their celebration, whether it be uh, Jesus on the cross or Mother Mary. This is not tantamount to idol worship? If they're worshiping it, yes. In other words, we should not sell a Christian a cross or a, any other um, things that they have that they may be involved in their worship. Uh, we should not sell them. Um, we should not help them, um, you know, pay, give them money for their worship in any way. Uh, that would be offensive to God. Um, going into a room that has a cross that no one's worshiping um, is not a problem for us. Um, Jews have always gotten serviced in Christian hospitals, um, and there is nothing wrong with that. Um, if they have idols, um, I mean, we can Jews historically like to cover it because we find it offensive. We don't want it to be there, but we shouldn't. We don't have a requirement to harm their things in any way. Um, and as long as we're not worshiping it and we're not involved in a worship, we can and should work with Christians. But the root of the question is, are they idolaters because they do worship these? Sons? Yes, we consider it idol worship, but with a big but. Unlike pagans, where we have an oblig a moral obligation to teach them and educate them about our values, we share those values with Christians because they believe in God. So we don't have any requirement to change their beliefs, nor do we make any attempt to do so. You know, I have a, I have a question. You know what, let's do this. I am going to conclude, and then I'll take all the questions about Christianity because I know there's a lot of them. So today, paganism in the classical sense, uh, as we had in Roman Greeks, is no longer a problem. Um, then they had a very depraved society, the Romans, the Greeks. But today the greater concern is a lack of belief in a greater power. People are naturally drawn to belief systems and religions. Without God in the center, without a sense of absolute morals, we have a tendency to create our own gods, our own belief systems, our own religions. What happened in the 19th century is there was a big rise uh, in the middle of the 19th century in atheism. The people that rejected God and by extension, God's moral compass, the moral values that God had taught us. As a result, there was a movement towards all sorts of other values, all sorts of other moral compasses. And there was a big rise of what's called the isms um, in the late 19th, early 20th century, socialism, communism, nationalism, fascism, anarchism, and there are many others that you probably have never heard of, many other movements or beliefs in different types of utopias or different types of values that stood above all as the ultimate, as the ultimate good and bad, as the ultimate good and evil. And what ended up happening is these ideas were not God-centered. Um, people followed their own whims or followed the crowd, which people have a tendency to do. And they ended up in some very, very terrible social experiments um, that, we, that we've, we saw in the 20th century. Thankfully, most of the utopian religions of the 19th century are mostly gone. Some may be making some comeback, but most, they're mostly gone. Instead, today in the 21st century, with again a rise in, um, a rise in atheism or people who no longer believe in God or in an absolute moral compass, um, there's also been a rise, a return to hedonism, which was very common in Greek and Roman culture. 
And this is expressed in many different ways. Now, this is, I should be clear, this is not really idol worship. They're not worshiping these necessarily as powers that we will define as idols with the laws related to idol worship in Jewish law. But they still in values, these are counter to Jewish values and it's very important to be aware of it because often people who believe in God and even believe in the basic values of Judaism or of monotheism get pulled into hedonism without recognizing that it's another belief system that uh, really contradicts God and contradicts our ethics. Some examples. Many people today, there's been a very strong movement today of people who worship nature. People who worship Mother Earth. Believe in keeping nature in its most pristine state. Believe that keeping our Earth the way it should, um, keeping our Earth um, in its per perfect way is an ideal. Um, see it as the absolute ideal above everything else a movement against even if it even if it goes against their other values um, that putting mother earth or nature above everything else their goodness is defined by what is good for nature if it's good for nature it's good if it harms nature it's bad they see that as an ultimate value that is a well not a God in the simple sense of the term, that has become a value that for many who no longer have God at the center of their lives have taken this as a value. Others worship the human body, something that was very common in Greek culture, either in the form of health obsession, where their ultimate value has become health. Everything is about health. If it's healthy, it's good. If it's not healthy, it's bad. And that has become the ultimate um, the ultimate definition of goodness. Or another form of that is people who, who worship um, extreme sports or athletics where exercise or running or other forms of athletics have become an end in themselves. Um, somebody called me up recently uh, who was very, very concerned that a very close friend of theirs was um, recently um, diagnosed with a severe illness and he was very very upset because this friend as this individual himself were obsessed with health and exercise and they lived the healthiest life possible and he just couldn't believe how could this happen to an individual who lives such a perfectly healthy and uh, per uh, perfect life how can such a person's life um, come to such a horrible end with such a terrible disease and um, I well, we don't ultimately know why God does things, but um, I could see from his question that he somehow believed that if you live a life of perfect health, then all good will happen to you, and you'll only see goodness in life. And um, that was there, his definition of goodness. Um, unfortunately, we discover in life that it's not so. Others um, worship possessions. Possessions. They want to get more and more. Um, whether it's money, whether it's other forms of possessions, cars or homes or other clothing or other things. Today we've moved beyond possessions because thankfully we live in a very wealthy society, so wealthy we have, most of us have more than we need. Um, and so we, um, have, we focus on experiences, experiences, visiting places. How many places have you visited? 
and our ultimate goal is to visit places or have experiences, have a bucket list of things to do before we die. And that becomes our sense of good and evil. And so ultimately we have, unfortunately we live in a society that has in recent years turned away from what they like to call organized religion or another term for an absolute sense of good and evil, an absolute sense of morals, absolute values, and exchanged it for other isms, other values. And we know, we've seen it from history where that leads, that leads away from um, that leads away from the ultimate morals, absolute truth, and uh, eventually it leads to a depraved and corrupt society as it had in the past, and unfortunately that's where we will head um, if that becomes, if more, too many people adopt that. So we as a people have a role in sharing God's values, God's basic seven Noahide values that we mentioned before. We as a people have a role in sharing that values to society. And ultimately, our disgust and distaste for idol worship is not only because it's offensive to God, but also because our world um, revolves around our ability, uh, our ethics revolves around our ability to, um, or our belief in a single sense of ethics, a single God who is in control and in power of everything. In fact, today um, we have a um, today we have um, a um, I guess a tragedy in our country of um, mass killings or killings for no reason, um, where people are killed, um, and it's happening more and more. And um, while there are many different factors that may be part of why our society has it, um, our society, country may have it more than other countries, but it's true throughout the world, this problem, especially in Western countries. Um, there's been a rise in it. And I believe that the one thing that is common to all of these mass shooters, and while there may be many other things that we can do to make it harder for them to carry it out, um, such as make, uh, there may be many other things that we can do, but one thing that they all have in common is they're all angry people that don't have um, a moral compass, don't have values. Um, none of them are regular people who go to church or go to synagogue or go to mosque or go to, I mean, unless they're doing it, in, but pe- the ones who are killing for no reason, just because they're angry. Um, they're doing it, they, they're not religious people. And um, they don't have a moral compass. They don't have a sense of values. And that's where our world is going to head unless we can change that, turn the tide by sharing our moral compass with the entire world, by sharing a sense of ultimate values, and ultimately by sharing a sense of God, of a higher power. If you don't believe in a higher power, you cannot by definition believe in an absolute sense of values, absolute moral compass, and purpose and meaning to our lives and reason why we're alive. So it's our job as Jews to share that with the world and spread our message with the entire world. So I just